Welcome to the Georgetown Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we share sermons from our most recent worship services. To learn more about GBC, please visit us online at georgetownbaptist.org. Tonight's scripture reading is from Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. Let us listen together for the word of God. In those days, days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to marry him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I don't know if this has been going around uh, in social media or in things that you have seen, but I've had several friends uh, share this over the last week, and it's one of those that every time I see it, I stop and go through it again, Uh, because I feel like I laugh harder each time. What happened was a teacher asked a group of students, what do adults in their 30s want for Christmas? All right, so here's uh, some of the answers. The first one is measuring cups, blah, ha, 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 ha. I'm not sure if those are evil measuring cups or they're mocking the idea of measuring cups. Uh, signs that say, bless this home, which, <laughs> fair. A Dyson vacuum, now that's, there you go, right? There, there we go. Uh, the wrinkle creams. <laughs> All of them, maybe, I guess. Uh, expensive meats, again, not bad. Panera bread gift card, people in their 30s love soup, exclamation point. <laughs> You get them old people candles that smell like, quote-unquote, home, or, quote-unquote, back then, which is hurtful, right? It feels a little hurtful. Um, a uh, heated blanket, because their muscles be hurting. <laughs> so, uh, those, which, uh, you know, I'd be offended if they weren't so accurate, right? Uh, and I'm not even in my 30s anymore, but the... Uh, it, it made me think about, as you, uh, as you think about what they were trying to imagine, and then probably someone in your world has asked you, what do you want for Christmas? And I, I find people sort of fall into two camps. There's the camp that has the detailed list, and I can send it to you by either price or alphabetical, whichever one you want, um, with the, with the uh, links already added on there, just very easily for you, uh, or the other one, the, the opposite is, what do you want for Christmas? Nothing. Nothing. You know, and, and some of it is because you would say something like, I already buy myself everything I need. I don't need you to spend money on me. I would rather you not waste money on something I'm going to have to pretend to like, and that's just going to be, that's just going to be a problem. But you, for some people, that's because they're very sure of themselves and they know exactly who they are and what, and what they are. But for some people, they, don't, they haven't figured out 
who they are. They don't know where they're going. And if you don't know where you're going, then you can't know what you want. Because more than just what you want for Christmas, let me ask you, what do you want 2024 to be? Doesn't it feel weird saying that, 2024? What do you want to have happen in 2024? Do you have goals or visions? Is something big happening? Is something big coming, coming that you're counting down for? Is it, or are you just sort of lost going, I, I kind of want everything to be like it is? Or, or you know, I don't, I don't even know. I, I was struck by this image in this book I read recently by the author and pastor Tish Warren. She talked about that in our culture, sort of the current that we kind of swim in and the current that kind of pushes us along at times of, of our sort of popular culture, there is this underlying kind of idea that it doesn't really matter. You just can kind of do whatever you want, and, and, it, and it's fine. And she talked about that in, in the book that I was reading, she talked about this idea of it doesn't really matter which way you're going. It's as if we all got in our cars and got on the interstate. And then suddenly, as someone did some sort of magic spell over all of us, and we all forgot that we were in a car heading someplace. And all of a sudden, we sort of open our eyes and realize we're in this car, but we don't know where we're going. The car has stopped. And so what we have done as a culture is just sort of decided this is good, and we make our life, we make our home in the middle of the interstate. We've, we've sort of parked ourselves there because it doesn't really matter where we're going, and it doesn't matter what direction we're in. We're just sort of here, and we might as well enjoy being here until we're not here anymore. And I was really captured by this image because... Uh, and if, if you don't know me, I'm not going to sort of harangue and, and sort of bullhorn preacher kind of talk about how bad everything is. But, but I do think that if we decide that the narrative that the world is presenting to us is the only thing there is, we are missing out on something more. We're missing out on something beautiful. We're missing out on something true. We're missing out on richness and depth and goodness that God has for us. So why do we sing these songs? Why do we gather here tonight? Why do we gather here every week? Why do we read scripture? Why do we study? Why do we do these things? Well, I do them because I believe that God has invited us into a better way. I believe that God has invited us into a different way of living here and now that can transform everything. And so when we read our scripture, it can feel very familiar. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. This passage is the beginning, the kickoff of, the, of God doing something brand new. And what's remarkable is when God chooses to do something like that, we talked a little bit about this this morning if you were here, when God chooses to do something like that, God doesn't do it the way we do it, with a huge brass band and a parade and announcements and Facebook ads and telling everybody possible. God does it quietly in the middle of nowhere, with a couple of nobodies. And this is how God begins to change the world. This is where it starts. And it starts in the midst of a different type of power, a different type of power trying to exert their force on the world. Because in this moment, in this place, the Roman Empire is in control. And when they are seeking to do a census, they aren't just trying to count so that they make sure they have the same number of people. They, they aren't trying to count just so that all the records line up in all the different scrolls everywhere. See, you do a census so that you make sure that you are taxing people to the fullest that you can possibly tax them. You also do a census to prove that you can do a census. Because if they weren't absolutely forced to go to Bethlehem, is Joseph taking his very pregnant wife on a multi-day trip? Probably not, right? So the idea here is that the Roman Empire is showing you, showing them, we are in control. We're the ones with the power, and you're lucky to just get whatever we choose to leave for you. In the Old Testament, when uh, God's people decided to do a census, God came down and said, this was a great sin. This idea, this census isn't a neutral thing. This is the Roman Empire choosing and believing and deciding that they have the power and the might and the will to do this kind of thing. And in the midst of this power grab, God shows up. Now, in the moment, it doesn't look like God wins, right? It's a little baby giving birth and putting their, putting their baby in a feeding trough. That does not look like a win, right? This, this feels like a loss at, at very best. You know, we're, we're barely making it. And yet this is the beginning. This is the start. This is the kingdom coming and being ushered in in a new and powerful way. Why? Because this is the answer to the question of, what are we here for? Aren't we really just sort of parked here, and we're here for as long as we're here, and then we die? And God says, no. There is more. There is a kingdom that is being ushered in. All of the old ways where it seems like the powerful and those who... Uh, abuse and take advantage in every possible way, they will not win in the end. They are not the ones who overcome. It is the meek and the lowly. It is those who God sees and names and knows. Those are the ones that God lifts up. Those are the ones who will be blessed in this new kingdom to come. So as we celebrate Christmas, 
one of the things that we should tune our ears to is to hear the call. The call that your life doesn't have to just be parked on the interstate. Your life doesn't have to be stuck in neutral. You can give yourself more fully to God and let God guide where you are called to go and what you are called to do. Now, are you going to have to sell everything and go off somewhere that you don't want to go and do something you don't want to do? Maybe, but probably not. The odds are with you that you're probably going to be called by God to live where you are in a different way. That instead of seeking revenge, instead of celebrating leaders who are crass and awful and selfish, instead of finding the ways in which I make sure I get mine before anybody else gets theirs, we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, which invites us to love others, to reflect and to think about who, others, who God's calling others to be and what we can do that can be a blessing to them. This is part of what the kingdom looks like, is it looks like us in small ways in our everyday lives choosing God over the world, choosing Jesus over every other option. It is choosing to love and to forgive, to care and to hold when everyone else is telling you to only think about yourself. This is part of what we do, and this is part of how we choose to usher in the kingdom and how we can reflect on the question of where are we going and where is God calling us to go? And where is God inviting us to go? You don't have to be stuck in neutral. You don't have to stay in place. Some, you can move and live and grow closer to what God has for you. The beautiful thing about this is that you don't have to pay a whole bunch of money or sign up for a whole big thing or do any of that kind of stuff like you're buying a Peloton bike or something. Like the, the idea behind this is simply opening your heart and your life to God. The idea behind it is saying, God, I want to move one step closer to you. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it means. And I don't know where this is going to wind up. But I choose you because I believe you are the one who will provide the best possible life here and then forever. You don't have to be stuck in neutral. You don't have to be stuck in place. You don't have to be stuck wondering, where is my life going? One of my friends uh, this past year, uh, out of nowhere, had a heart attack. And he, was a, he still is a minister um, at a busy church doing all kinds of stuff. And then one day, right as he was getting ready to go to church, he just fell over and said it was the scariest moment of his life. Um, he wound up in the hospital. While they were in the hospital, they figured out that he also had early onset diabetes, type 2 diabetes. And so his whole life had to change. And that was about six months ago, and he, he posted something the other day where he said, I never would wish what I've gone through on anybody, but, being, but actually experiencing these things forced me to ask a lot of difficult questions about my life and about what I wanted. It forced me to ask a lot of questions about 
I know this is what I say I believe, and this is what I say I'm doing, but where am I actually going? What is my life actually pointing toward? Where is it actually moving? And I couldn't help but think about him as he was talking about that he's really excited about 2024. He's excited about what it looks like, and he's excited about where he's going, because in the midst of all the difficulty, God has been right there and has blessed him every step along the way. I wonder if we don't have to have some kind of scare like that happen in our life. What if, without having that happen, what if you were able to ask, what is God calling you to do this year? What is God inviting you into this year? What would be the next step as you draw closer to God and closer to his kingdom so that you could be transformed by the good news the good news that was ushered in in a stable in Bethlehem so long ago. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your constant call on our lives. We thank you, God, for the invitation to draw closer to you where we can experience love and joy, peace and mercy in powerful ways. We pray, God, that you will guide our hearts, guide our thoughts, our steps, and our actions so that we can better follow you with all that we say and think and do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.